Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. And welcome to Slime Fire Radio for episode 273 for September 27th, 2018. I'm one of your hosts, Kelly Lynn. I am Adriel Michaud. It's pronounced 273. Whatever. I'm Trevor. <laughs> Hi, Trevor. Hi. You're not using your fur latte? It's pronounced 273. Okay. We're moving on. How are you? <laughs> uh, well, uh, as you can tell, I am normal. I am. I am. My <laughs> You're usual. normal? I am I my usual normal, self. cheerful Bats. self. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm correcting numbers and that makes me happy. So all is well. I have oh. a new headset. Look, see, but it also means that you might get feedback. So I just erase something. Anyways, I have something new tonight too. Can you see that? Oh uh, yeah. What is that? That's, that's a, a counter. counter. That's a counter. You guys just had trying to figure out why I have a counter. Why do you have a counter? Uh, why do you think? Well, I'm thinking you're counting for targets. No penalties. Hits. Penalties. No. People that uh, come through the turnstile at the school. I don't know. I'm not sit-ups. at the school. I'm on the podcast. I'm certainly not doing sit-ups. <laughs> uh, well, wh- when I reveal the number at the end of the episode, I'll say why I have a counter. Carry on. Mm. All right. So why don't we get into what we did in guns this week? Because I know that Trevor, you have probably a lot, right? Wouldn't be Trevor if I didn't, now would I? Uh, no. You're in quite the mood this evening. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. I need more <laughs> stuff to drink. All right. What we did in Guns This Week is brought to you by the Calgary Shooting Center, Canada's premier firearms retailer. They have EOTEX XPS2 Zeros Green. <laughs> Why couldn't you call it an Ecotech for me? Come on. Because it's an Ecotech. That's what it is, right? Do you want to do it again? It's even in no, no. green, which is kind of eco. I know. It's got a green reticle. That's awesome. And it's eco, $799 or 800 if you want to add a dollar to it. There you go. We good? <laughs> sure. All right. Yeah. Trevor, why don't you tell us what you did in guns this week? Because you have a whole shopping list, it looks like. Yeah, um, some stuff um, that I forgot last week that I wanted to talk about. Uh, back to that story about WestJet, okay? Yeah. So we know that um, you need to be familiar with airlines policies because a lot of times the employees aren't. So funny story I want to share about my trip home. My trip out there was awesome. I told that story last week, but my trip home. I um, go to the um, check-in line, check-in, and then they send me to the oversized baggage X-ray. And the guy in front of me uh, has a golf a golf bag, and they flag his bag because he has three lighters in the bag, and they will not allow those lighters to go into the airplane in his golf bag. So they take them out, and they hand them to him in his hand. And he's like, this makes a lot of sense. I'm allowed to hold them myself, but I'm not allowed to. I can carry these three lighters on the airplane, but I can't put them in the belly of the airplane. They said, no, because 
we trust them in your hands where you have control of them in the belly of the airplane. If they spark and light themselves, they could light the plane on fire. All right, fine. Remember that three letters. Okay. My bag goes through. So they're x-raying my bag and up on the screen is one round of ammo completely there on its own. So this is a round of ammo that is in my 511 pants. Okay. So we start digging through the luggage and pull out one pair of 511s. It's not in there. Pull out another pair of 511s. Um, no, first they pulled out a pair of 511s. Or no, sorry. First they went for my shorts. I said, it'll be in my shorts because I shoot wearing shorts. It can only possibly be in my shorts. So they pull out my shorts. They check nothing. I'm like, that's weird. They x-ray it again. There it is again. I said, you know what? I've got a laser cartridge. I've got a late I've got a laser cartridge in there and it's mm-hmm. part of a dry fire system. It's probably that cartridge that you're seeing. Duh, no, that cartridge isn't doesn't have lead. It's not going to show up like a bullet. Anyway, they pull that out, they put it's still sealed in the package. So they put that through the x-ray. Nope, that's not it. So they keep digging and then they get to my 511s. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. The last time I wore those 511s was at the charity shoot. And it was around a 40 cal. I was shooting nine mil at the nationals. So why was there a round of 40 cal that, so that round of 40 cal was in my pants when I packed my bag, when I checked it in Halifax and when it went through the x-ray in Halifax, they didn't catch it then, or they saw it and they didn't care. But in Winnipeg, they were making a real big deal about this round of ammo. Okay. So we pulled out the five elevens. We found the round of ammo. They take it. Everybody's cool about it. Off I go. I get back to Nova Scotia. I open up my luggage. I pull up my range bag. In my range bag is a lighter. And I shipped, I left all my ammunition with Jim to take home because he had a second bag. So he was putting his gun in one bag and the ammo in the other bag and declaring it, right? Right. In my range bag was my ammo bag. And in my ammo bag were my loaded magazines and loose rounds of ammo. (laughs) They got so obsessed with that one round of loose ammo they never even looked at the gun or the gun bag or all the rounds of ammo in the gun bag or the lighter. Or that, the lighter. Or the lighter. <laughs> lighter. Uh, security is an illusion. And the problem with security is it's run by people and people are not infallible. So That's true. Yeah, I thought I'd share that interesting little story. Um, I don't know if I told this last week or not, but at the three-gun match, Gallon bought my Arsenal Strike 1. The gun was, uh, every time I've taken the gun to the range, it's malfunctioned. It has failures to eject, and rather than work on it, whatever, I got enough guns. I'm like, I'm selling this after the match. And Gallon's like, how much? I'm like, $500. He's like, $400. Sold. I'm like, sold. <laughs> so, keeping in mind, I only paid, well, I shouldn't say what I paid for it. But, um, anyway, he got the gun, and I'll whack a max for 400 bucks. 400 bucks. So. He's happy? He's happy. He's gallon. He's always happy. Yeah, he is. So, all right. Um, and then, Adriel, did I talk about how I actually did at the provincials last week? At the provincials? No. No. All right. So, although I'm provincial champ, I only finished second in the match. Lame. Um, How can I have that happen? Because it's the New Brunswick provincials. So, the person who finishes in the highest spot who's a New Brunswicker becomes a provincial champ. Right. So if a bunch of people from Ontario, Quebec, Newfoundland, Nova Scotia all show up and you finish fifth below everyone else and you're the top New Brunswicker, you're fifth place but provincial champ. 
Right. So I'm provincial champ, but didn't win the match. Lorette's provincial champ for open didn't win the match. Moe's provincial champ for production didn't win the match. So some of New Brunswick's top shooters all all had our butts handed to us, unfortunately. So shout out to Tim Thomas. Tim Thomas handed me my butt. Uh, he took the uh, Alex class with us uh, the week from? before. Tim is from Nova Scotia. Yeah. So Classic went to Nova Scotia. Production went to Nova Scotia. And Open went to Quebec. So although we're all... Yeah, we're all provincial champ, but we're all first loser. So, well, I, I, like you say that, but you're the population of New Brunswick is not high. You have to have provincial, like provincial champions from the local area. Uh, nationals is for everyone to compete at, and the fact that they like that they have people from other provinces go to your your provincials is like I don't know, good practice for them. I guess it's not there to be like bragging, like. Imagine I went to, uh, I don't know, PEI or, or Newfoundland or something like that, and I got like a top 10 ranking, right? It's like that's for the local province, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. But, I mean, it was a level three match. There were some decent shooters there. There was some hard stages. Um, we had 60 shooters. Nova Scotia, and um, I'm leaving tomorrow from work to go to the Nova Scotia Provincial. It's also a level three. Hasn't been a level three in a while, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, shooting in standard, actually. Because I've shot, I've always shot standard down there. Last year I shot standard down there because I shot standard at our provincial, and they were like back to back, so I just stayed in standard. Um, this time, I've got some unfinished business to do, and I also want to shoot my new standard gun that I got. Last time I shot down there, well, last year I lost the match by less than a percent. Um, it may have had something to do with starting to drink the day before at three p.m. and not eat till nine, and then. Anyway, it was a late night and a rough day the next day, and it cost me the match. So I will stay sober this time, mostly, and um, go from there. I mean, if if everyone's not sober and everyone's hungover the next day, it's even, right? Yes, but unfortunately, um, they won't all do that. So it makes so. like water. Water is a performance-enhancing drug. Right. At a, at a- yes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, because everybody's so hungover. So, <laughs> anyway, um, I did something really cool with Snuffleupagus last Friday. We organized a shooting activity for the teachers at uh, John's school and the school that my school is associated with. They did a car rally, and the final destination was the gun club. Cool. So, we had a bunch of stations set up. We had the shotgun station over here, with some, also with some 22s. And then we had a handgun station. And then we had an AR 15 station. So, with the well, SLR and my kitty cat. So, um, it was cool. There were some people who had never shot that gave it a try and were like, oh, nope, too, too much bang, too much, too much scary. Um, we had some people who had shot lots of hunting guns, but never shot a, a handgun. So, they got on that. And then there was this one teacher. I don't know if this was appropriate. No, I'm not going to. Uh, hmm. Yeah, no, I better let that one slide. Okay. But the. the <laughs> Male the, or female? Female. <laughs> and um, she is crazy good. And then, so I knew that she, she had stopped by our booth at the trade convention show in town mm-hmm. um, and was like, oh, yeah, guns are cool. I've got some guns. I'm like, oh, neat. That's nice to know cool. Maybe we'll see you sometime with your gun or something. Anyway, she grabs this thing and with little to no instruction, she assumes the shooting stance. She's got a great grip and she's There's a, a steel plate out there at 10 yards, about a 10 inch plate, like a steel challenge plate. And it's just, she just knocking the life out of ding, 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 ding. 
Everything I put in front of her, she shot all the way up to the 44 Magnum. Nice. She's like, yeah, I'll shoot that too, whatever. And she just calm as ice, just calm, cool, and collected. So now John and I are like, well, are you kind of maybe interested in competition? There's some girls at the range. Maybe we can arrange like a play date for you guys. Just the girls will stay away. You go do your thing. See if you like it. Whatever can whatever we can do to foster and encourage this and not be overbearing men who know everything. That's that's what we're going to try and do. So we're hope, hopefully she'll take us up on our offer to go to the range with some of the girls because she's scary good. And I'd really like to see her get into uh, competition, but um, she's young, young family. Um, just got a baby or something like a couple of years ago, not or something. I'm, I'm quite sure it is a child. It is a baby and it's humanoid. Um, so that's no doubt taking up time and money. So um, hopefully she can uh, find time for this hobby. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, we cleaned up the range, put everything away from SummerSlam. This is a, this is the first in three years. Last year I had hand surgery, couldn't go do it and it didn't all get done. They got a lot done, but they ran out of time. Once hunting season starts, the boys are done and I don't blame them, but stuff needs to be put away. It didn't all get put away the year before. Same thing. Didn't all get put away this year. We had our three gun before provincials. And we hosted provincials, and then that was it. Our shooting season at the range is done, and everything. I say everything got put away. There's still safety tables that need to be put away, but, like, that's it. All the stages are, are oh, and uh, the house that we rebuild, our land is supposed to put a coat of stain or oil or something on it to treat the wood. But all the stages are torn down and put away, so that's good. Oh. So uh, I got out to practice with my Apiro. And um, for those of the listeners who are listeners and not viewers, the Apiro is an STI 2011, so it's a double stack 40 caliber Ipsic gun. Um, the slide was locking back with one round left in the chain in the magazine, so I had to tune the slide stop. That's this piece right here that locks the slide open. I had to take it out and do the whole marker file, marker file. So cover the part with marker, file till the marker's gone, cover the part with marker, file till the marker's gone until it stops malfunctioning. So that's all squared away. I also got out practice with my uh, SLR, talking to Adriel and Brian about getting a different zero for the upcoming three-gun match next weekend. No, in two weekends in Nova Scotia. Um, what else? Oh, I got out and I test-fired my 870 Wingmaster Police build that I did last year. Uh, I brought that to the range with uh, the teachers because it had never been fired, and I thought it would be a cool pump-action shotgun for them to fire. So uh, when they were done firing it, I got out and fired it. So it works flawlessly. I'm very happy about that. And then I did some more uh, gun selling and buying. I bought a revolver last year from Adriel, traded it for a CZ75 Omega, or CZ75B Omega, B Omega. Uh, really comfortable gun, but a really horrific trigger for a double action, single action gun. Um, NB Hillbilly's wife tried it at the Ferlacci class. No, she tried an FN at the Ferlacci class. Wasn't really crazy about the FN. Yep. And then the next day during the cherry shoot, during the steel challenge, uh, she tried that. And she said to me when the steel challenge was over, if ever you sell this gun, I want to know. And so I told her and she bought it. So that's awesome. Yay. And then I, yeah. And then I turned around and I bought a shadow from um, Ipsic treasurer guy, Larry Shriver. He, he, he's got a shadow too which means he needs a second shadow too, because two for two, right? Yeah. He wants a backup, and rather than have a shadow as a backup and a shadow two as a primary, you need to have two identical. I totally support this kind of behavior. So he's going to the Nationals this year in Quebec, wants a backup. And so he was like, 
I might have to sell my shadow. I was like, how much? So I bought it. And then um, Tresca, a girl at the club, she had an older CZ85, and she wasn't really happy with it and stuff. So I um, when I showed her the shadow that I bought, she got all crazy jealous because I got a really good deal on it. And um, so I felt bad. Her birthday was coming up, and she was jealous that I got a gun, and she didn't get a gun. So I went out, and I found her a gun. And a listener uh, on CGN, I had no idea this guy was a listener. I just saw the ad, sent him a message. And he's like, is this the famous Trevor from Flamefire? Oh, God. And I'm like, hmm. If he likes my content, yes. If he thinks I'm annoying, no. What do I say? Um, oh, what the heck? Yeah, it's uh, Trevor. I don't know, famous Trevor, but anyway. So uh, cool dude to, to deal with. But unfortunately, I don't read so good. And uh, well, I had the deal done before I went back and read his PM. I thought I was buying a shadow. Did you know that all CZ75 uh, shadows are SBO1s, but not all SBO1s are shadows? Oh. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. So the SPO1 doesn't have as nice a trigger. It has a, a firing pin block in it, and the sights on it are three-dot sights. <laughs> what are you going to do? We'll take out the firing pin safety. We'll drop in a spring kit. We'll get better sights. And it's and I think we're still going to do good on the price because he gave us an excellent price. So um, I don't even think he knows I bought it for someone else. I don't think I ever went there with him. I just said, yep, I will. Uh, I will take it please. And thank you. So uh, that shipped today. Uh, speaking of shipping guns, I'm going to ship, I'm going to ship Kevin's M and P back to him. Finally. See <laughs> the problem with Kevin's M and P that's been here since the charity shoot is it's uh, sitting in a box. Oh, and, is it an M and P or is it a SIG? It's an M and P and it's uh, sitting, sitting in a box. It's not with my other pistols. So it's not like I look at it every day and go, Oh yeah, I better send that back. I only remember to send it back when Kevin, you know, sends me a PM like every two months. Um, you done with that gun yet? <laughs> it's not too much trouble. Can I have my gun back? <laughs> oh, yes. And then, so I was like, yeah, I'll ship it on Friday. And Friday was payday. And then I spent all the money and couldn't ship it. So anyway, I took home the um, the uh, packing slip there today. So I'm going to package that up after the show and drop that in the mail tomorrow. Yeah. So He, just, he doesn't really need it, right? He just wants it back. That's well, imagine that. He wants his property back. That's crazy. <laughs> All right, that's it for me, Adriel. How's the boat you? Oh, uh, let's see. I got out and shot that WK-180C. Uh, that was really neat. Um, found some really good accuracy from this stuff. Uh, this is Hornady 55 grain VMAX. Uh, it's uh, commercial ammo, and I'm getting right around one MOA with it. So, that's good. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot a coyote with this. Uh, and uh, let's see, what else did I do? Oh, uh, more about the WK. So I also tried the uh, American Eagle Independence ammo in that. And uh, it, it did the same thing as it did on my AR. It jammed the bullet into the lands. And when I pulled it back, it ripped the case out and oh. left the bullet in the, uh, in the chamber. Uh, so I had to tap that guy out with, uh, with a rod. This is the exact same thing that happens on my AR. I think it's a, uh, uh, a wild chamber plus federal independence ammo problem. Uh, let's see. Yeah, shot the commercial spec stuff really good. Actually, my first group was some browning stuff, and I looked at it through the scope. I'm like, well, oh, that's looking pretty good. It was about like an inch and a quarter, somewhere around there. And then I shot more groups, and I'm like, oh, actually, a bunch of these are looking really good. So, 
it, uh, it, it gave decent accuracy. I, I wasn't sure what I was going to get. Um, when I started shooting some, what was I shooting? Uh, American Eagle 223. I got around two and a half inches with like one or two that like really slipped out um, to about three inches. But I think that's okay for like blaster ammo for uh, uh, a piston driven rifle. Out of a, yeah, regular rack grade barrel. I mean, it's yeah. not, you know, it's a thousand dollar black rifle. Let's yeah. always keep that in mind. Yeah. So um, then I shot my AR and this, I was testing it with the new gas block, new <laughs> gas tube and a different BCG. And I still had those problems, which I think it's short cycling. So BCG, um, did you go from a full auto to a semi this time? No, they're both full autos. Yeah, they're full auto, okay. Yeah. It's, I looked it up. The weight difference between those two is not a lot. No? What's no. the malfunction? Is it not ejecting? Is it extracting but not ejecting? It extracts the case. It does not re- fully reset the hammer. Oh, wow. Or the hammer is following the bolt. But I'm not getting any like multi-hits so on them. I'm have just, you worked on your hammer and your springs? Is I your- have changed out three triggers on this yes. and I'm still getting the same malfunction. I've used uh, an Elfman, uh, another Elfman, and a Timney, and I'm getting the same issue with all three. And it, all three in two different lowers. I'm like, I'm out of ideas here. <laughs> I'm going to use, I've got a, a you almost tried rifle. too many things. Uh, yeah, so I got to get, I'm going to go out to the lost range. lost track of variables. I'm going to, uh, well, they're, they're, the problem is there was a couple things that went wrong, right? The ammo was one problem because it was too long for that wild chamber. Uh, and uh, so now, yeah, I got to take it back to the range and shoot, I don't know, like another few hundred rounds and, and see what the problem really is. Because right now I'm out of ideas. I checked the gas port on the barrel. Yeah, it's to spec. I ch- like changed out a bunch of stuff. I checked the springs. The spring looks fine. It looks the as same as my other spring. And if that was the issue, why did it happen in the other lower that had a different spring in it? Uh, the buffers are standard weight buffers. They're not heavy or anything like that. So I will try to uh, try to figure out what the issues is there. But just in anticipation of uh, Gremlins continuing to, to be there, I popped a one to four on my uh, on my WK because it ran just fine. So and it was accurate enough. And our next match is is all within a hundred meters. So uh, suppose the barrel heats up and that like throws me accuracy a little bit. It won't matter because it's all within a hundred meters. And I kind of want to shoot coyotes with this scope, anyways. So this is a, this would be a better uh, hunting. Which vortex scope. is that? It's the Viper one to four. <laughs> fantastic glass i really like the glass on it the reticle i could love you know, the viper yeah. line yeah. what's the reticle uh it's their tmmsc it's an moa reticle uh but given that it's like the max is 4x like the moa is mm. gotcha. not super useful right right um but it's got illumination, and for a close-range uh, three-gun match, it should be fine. And I think for uh, for hunting, it should be fine as well. Um, I really like the uh, um, mags drop free great from it. So from a competition perspective, it'll be fine there. Um, I think having the, the charging handle on the left-hand side here, that I'll ram my mag in, I'll let it go, and it, that should be fine. 
and uh, I don't know. I'm not really leaving anything on the on the table here in terms of competing with it. I think so. I'll find out. <laughs> I'll find out really quickly. Uh, I also popped on. This is a, a mod that I saw online, and uh, this is uh, using Magpul Emlock um, covers on the uh, on the port here. So one of the things, if if this wasn't here, you would see there's a bunch of brass marks from where the brass is hitting because there's no brass deflector. Uh, so I've put it on into the uh, the slide saw here. This is where, if your charging handle would be on the right hand side, uh, it would there would be a slot here. Yep. And I've just covered those over because I've got the charging handle on the left-hand side. So, interesting thing to note, you can use the uh, Magpul M-Lock uh, covers to cover that slot up. Now, if you're just going to run your charging handle on the right-hand side, and you, this this like big slot bothers you, you could cover it up. You could Change just it. yeah get a bunch of this these uh, covers here and put them on. This is the Type 2. They're a little bit bigger. There's also a Type 1 that's a little bit thinner and rubberized. I might get that for this guy here because it's a little bit less uh, obtrusive and it's rubber rather than this is like a hard plastic. Plastic. So I think, yeah, if I shot this enough, I think that the rounds would start eating away at this plastic and and making it look nasty. But for now, like especially when you're when you're looking at the rifle, uh, not like side on when you're looking at it from from closer in, it sits very close to the receiver and I think it's going to be fine. Uh, let's see here. It's cycling really nice now. I got like more than a few hundred rounds through it, so now the uh, the cycling is very smooth. Whereas before it was a little bit catchy, yep. now it's very nice and smooth. Uh, the charging handle feels like just a little bit loose in there, but don't know if I care. Uh, and safety, I've actually started using my thumb to flick the safety off, and then my index finger to 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 hit it on. So it's very uh, very quick to uh, to use because otherwise you're breaking your grip to uh, to pull it up. Sorry, I gotta I gotta throw it on the other side, or you're using the back of your finger on this tiny little guy here. So I like pulling it up and then just using my index finger to pop it off. So I'll use that for three guys. Can you extend that? Can you get an extended one so you can do it all with your thumb? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't have an extended one on my AR. My buddy's got one. I just okay. But do you flick your AR off with your trigger finger? No, I can't because it's not ambi. Right. right. Yeah, Would you if it was? Uh, maybe because it you can get better leverage on it. Like using the back of your thumb, you're like grabbing it like right here on the edge. On my AR, what I'll do is I'll break my grip and then flick it off and then uh-huh. pop it down. Because I want like I don't want that gun without the safety on in the dump sled because it's a thirty second penalty. And it's unsafe, right? I want to have the safety on. So, uh, what rules are you following? I thought that was a match DQ. Uh, USPSA does a thirty-second penalty. Um, some of the other ones will do a match DQ if you if you dump without the safety on. Some of them, it's a just a big penalty. We're doing USPSA multi-gun, and I thought that's where I got it from. I need to go back and check. Perhaps it Let's changed, or perhaps I was wrong. Uh, that so. Get five years ago, more of the rule sets would have that's a DQ. Uh, these right. days, it's a it's a large penalty <laughs> because like here's the here's the thing. I I got DQ'd last year, two years ago. My shotgun, uh, it's got a light uh, safety on it. It's a Browning A5. I have done nothing to this safety. It's just that's the way it is. I popped it into a, a vertical dump barrel, and it looped around and hit the safety off in there. I've got video showing me flicking the safety on throwing it in this barrel and then it hit the safety. So is it unsafe? Is it, um, 
you know, a, something that the shooter did on purpose? Well, no. It, it, is it unsafe? Well, kind of, but kind of not because it's already pointing in a safe direction. So Right. It's in a retention device. It's not like Correct. you just laid it on a table and walked in front of the muzzle. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I much prefer the, the big penalty on it because then it's, it's a big enough penalty to where uh, you're, you're not getting first anymore, but it's not so much that... Uh, but your match isn't over. Yeah, your match yeah. isn't over, right? It's like, ah, shucks, I should have. You know, it's it's enough penalty to to really think about it and uh, and fix it for the next time. Oh boy, where am I at right now? Uh, I was talking about safeties and three gun, and uh, I cited my three hundred eight hunting rifle, so that's good to go. I would much prefer to to um, get my deer with my bow, but we'll see. Oh, uh, <laughs> sorry, muffin went mo- moose hunting with a bow. How'd it uh, go? Well, someone else shot the moose for him. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, so his, his rifle malfunctioned. Um, he opened the action to chamber around and couldn't get the action closed. Um, why he wasn't in bow range, I don't know all that whole story yet because I wasn't able to really talk to him last night when he went to register his moose because things weren't good. When I got there, one group of guys had to change the flat tire that they just drove in on. Then Muffin was busy trying to get logged into the online licensing system here in New Brunswick because he left his license back in the woods. They had got stopped on the side-by-side by the Rangers and ha- had their licenses checked, and he took his license out of his wallet and then didn't put it back in his wallet, just put it in his backpack, and then they went back to the moose to finish dressing it or whatever. So his license stayed in the woods. So anyway, he was in no mood to speak to me when I got there or anyone, not just me. And the other guys were busy changing a tire. And if I sit around and watched them change the tire, I may have had to get involved. So I just kind of stood inside next to Jason quietly and I didn't get the whole story. But he got a huge moose. At that point, they said it was a 53 and a half inch. Um, so that's a that's a big bull in New Brunswick. And uh, it is the largest moose that had been registered so far at that station. Well, good for him. Mm. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I got some more of those uh, clean your rifle with me style videos up. I'm going to keep uh, putting those out. Yeah, so slow. Bob Ross. Yes, the whole thing is Bob Ross cleans guns. You need more hair, though. (laughs) Well, uh, Bob Ross has got the hair. He does a painting. I'm the guy who does the guns. I got no hair. I got the beard. So that's that's, 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 that's the deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's about it. I got to... I'm I'm waiting for that Safari Land holster for my shadow. That should be here pretty quick. And then... You haven't gotten that yet? No, it went on the slow boat from the U.S. <laughs> okay. It's been a couple of weeks at least. Mm-hmm. I just cleared customs in Vancouver today, so I expect it next week sometime. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and then I'll use that for, I, I, I'm, again, I've, I've mentioned it before, but I'm really looking forward to, uh, to doing some IPSC practice this year to, uh, to get good. And uh, so I think I can put some springs in my Shadow 2 and still have it IPSC production legal. As long as it only does the single? OEM. What? OEM? Really? Production. Ah, really? OEM? No. They didn't say production. They didn't say OEM for the the trigger parts in there, did they? Well, now, again, based on our our interview that's coming up, we'll know more as to whether or not you can use non-OEM in the double action, single action. I think the interpretation right now, and I'm putting a big fat, I think, on this, is that I'm incorrect. It's not OEM. You can now use aftermarket trigger parts across the board in all production guns. 
Yeah, because there's there's a really well known Shadow Two Spring uh, uh, Cajun Gunworks uh, out of the U.S. and they oh, yeah. do well, they did uh, they did um, uh, Spencer's from Smyrna. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, so I might uh, I might have to get some parts from them. Not that the Shadow Two has a bad trigger; it's got a fantastic trigger, but it but can it, get a lot more fantasticer. Yeah, is that yeah. a word? Did I use it? Fantasticer. For for lotism, uh, more yeah. fantasticer for lotism. I'm just wondering because you're correcting my, <laughs> so might as well, you know. It's not all I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever. Keep clicking. <clears throat> that's uh, that's it for me. <laughs> that's Kelly's super duper impressed face. I see it every now and again, and I'm pretty sure it's reserved just for me. It is <laughs> mostly. <laughs> So what I did in guns in this week was I went to and had a range day with the Kingston Field Officers for the CCFR. And so that was Steve, Matthew, Kelly, and Kyle. We did a steel challenge style kind of thing with our pistols. And just, Trevor, have you been having problems? Or have you been shooting the 147 grain 9mm at all? I shoot my own ammunition with federal yeah. primers because tuned guns. Yeah. Uh, don't always hit, hit off uh, hard primers. So if yeah. you're having light primer strikes in your shadow, that's you need to increase exactly. your mainspring. Yep, that's exactly what was happening. So I put through 40 rounds, and eight of them didn't actually had light primer strikes. So Make sure everything's clean, and then if it still doesn't work, either yep. switch ammo or change your mainspring. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. So uh, we also actually got some pretty cool guns out as well. Steve brought some guns. He brought a 44 Magnum revolver and it was really, really cool. So we're doing a dirty, hairy kind of deal. What? Well, that being said, um, I ran out of my own ammo after nationals Okay. and for the entire Alex class and one other match somewhere along the way, I had to use the X metal factory ammo and my gun did light them all off. Was Um, it 147 or? Yep. Well, regardless of yeah. regardless, it's the they use the same primer across the board in all of their pistol ammo. So hmm. has nothing to do with it being one forty seven. If you bought the one twenty four, or if you bought the forty five grain uh, forty five ACP ammo, they use this. No, well, that's a large primer. Never mind. The forty and all the nine mil all use the same brand of pistol, small pistol primer. So. Yeah, because <laughs> I was looking at I was looking at them, and one was actually a almost a silver type and one was a gold type and it was all the ones that were gold that didn't actually had the light. Yeah. Shirt. So they're, I don't know they're hard. if they were. Okay. Is so, there a spring kit in that shadow? Um, I don't got know. it from Adriel, right? I got it from Adriel. Yeah. Adriel no. did, huh? I did not put a spring kit in that shadow. But did you buy that shadow secondhand? Yes. You bet I did, yep. So it probably probably does have a spring kit. Yeah. Well, so. I'll have a look. Yep. So. As I said, Steve, he brought some really, really cool guns. He brought a 44 Magnum revolver, which was awfully cool because we did the whole dirty hairy thing. And he also brought a mint condition 1938 Luger. So it had the swastikas on the side of it and everything. So it was, as I said, in mint condition. It was beautiful. I got to shoot it. Was it Prohib or? Yeah, it was Prohib. Okay. So it was in a. What are you doing? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. It was beautiful. I started to think about, you know, Germany and 
and the fact that I was born to shoot this pistol because of the fact that, you know, I was born in Germany, right? It was a 1938 Luger. And anyways, so I started saying, you know, Deutschland, Deutschland over all Anyways, but. <laughs> and you're wearing a SIG hat. Wow. So. So you're a Nazi is basically what no, you're saying. No, I'm not. Well, you're like you were you were you were lonesome for the home for the motherland, and you felt this this strong connection to this German leader. You started to speak German. I did. It was awesome. Steve's from. I found out that Steve was born in the exact same place I was, so it was like almost like you know Kismet. So okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was the guy with the Nazi gun was also German. He's Canadian. He was born in a German, or he was born in Germany, but a same place I was, which was a British Air Force base. So, okay. Mm-hmm. The other thing I did was the ladies' day at Napanee. So what we had was forty-five new women come out and shoot, and we raised money for breast cancer action, or sorry, breast cancer awareness, Kingston, uh, Vortex Canada, and CCFR sponsored the event. So I wanted to say thank you to them. Uh, we also had. The, the ladies themselves, they got to shoot trap, they got to shoot the AR-15s and the twenty two rifles as well as pistols. So we had 22 uh, pistols and we also had the 9mm pistols as well. Ladies had a great time. Napanee District Rod and Gun Club, they put on a really good event, but we also had pie. So it was awesome. We always had pie there. It was good. And that is everything that I did in guns. I did a few more other things, but not really at the ranch. So that was it. Okay. Upcoming events. Adriel, why don't you tell us about some three-gun events that are happening because you have something marked down here. Yeah, there's a couple this weekend uh, coming up. There's uh, there's a, a match in Cold Lake, Alberta, one in Rock Cut in Ontario, uh, a match in Lethbridge, Alberta, and one in Milo in Alberta. Excellent. And I'll talk about the Maple Seed events that are coming up. You can check us them check them out at mapleseedrifleman.com but we're having our season finale in Woodview, Ontario so basically anybody in the GTA or Peterborough area come out, area come out to it, it is October 20th uh, there are still spots available and you know the costs, the costs are $50 for adults $35 for military or law enforcement or $15 for people who are under 18 so the youth people and it's also $25 range fee but for that you actually get lunch this time so it's awesome, come out it's the last one for this season, and then we're going on our hiatus. Trevor, you want to talk about SummerSlam? It's in capital letters, but I think I'll give you the... You want to talk about it? Okay, I guess not. It's sold out. That's it. News? What do we got in the news? Toronto Town Hall? Who has that one? Well, I've got both these in here. Um, the first one is the uh, uh, Toronto ta- Town Hall on potential handgun ban marked by vocal opponents. Uh, that's us. That's us. Yeah. yeah. Who we're that? The, we're yeah. the vocal opponents. <laughs> like not us here in this room, but us generally in, in terms of gun owners and uh, CCFR. A lot of CCFR members went to this one as well, right? There was a contingent from the CCFR there, and yes, they were very vocal. They were asking questions, questions that people generally couldn't answer or didn't want to answer. I think they got a little frustrated, it looks like. Yeah, well, I mean, the the uh, this is kind of linked to the next one here, but this is one of public consultations. And uh, the problem is that they're consultation-ish. They're not really consultations. Uh, they're, they, I know that they took um, uh, questions were pre-screened. Um, and I know that mm-hmm. uh, some people were kicked out. And uh, um, it seems like the people who were talking up at the front there were parroting a lot of the uh, rhetoric data that we've, we've heard and rhetoric. 
uh, inconsistent data as in the uh, 50% of crime guns were sourced domestically stat that we keep hearing that is uh, proven false. Um, Right. And then if you bleed over into the the next thing, uh, that kind of just shows how ominous this town hall is. Uh, So Bill Blair, and this is, this is, his uh, his phrasing here is giving himself until the end of the year to consult Canadians and experts on the need for a handgun ban, saying he wants to stop gang members from getting their hands on firearms that were initially purchased legally. Mm-hmm. Now that's uh, a pretty nefarious because what what that says is he's looking at uh, stopping criminals here in Canada from getting their hands on legal fire. purchased firearms and. Yep. How do they do that? Like they, so he's he's talking about straw purchasing. Exactly. But the problem is that straw purchasing isn't really legal. Bad of a thing here. Well, it's not legal. Uh, it doesn't seem to happen very often, and it seems to have some very basic safeguards in place or not in place that could be put in place very easily. Yep. Did, uh, you, did you know that someone requested the stats from the RCMP on straw purchases, and they don't have any? Correct. Yeah, that was one of the other things I wanted to mention was, yeah, the, the stats <laughs> don't exist. Problem. Yeah. <laughs> so here's my thing. Here's my question. You said to consult Canadians and experts. So they're consulting people who have no idea what they're talking about. Yes. And then they're also talking about experts. And so define experts. So do you want to actually talk to police? Do you want to talk to criminals? Because they're experts. Yeah, well, uh, police. I'm just saying. Maybe some of them would be experts. Probably a lot wouldn't because they don't do like you'd have to talk to the guys who are doing the investigations. I assume right. they send well, in like there's some place where they just ship like hundreds of guns and they're like find out where these are from, and uh, and those guys have some real weird classification system going on because uh, how they define crime guns and how that's done it doesn't look like it makes a lot of sense. Uh, so. Yeah, I, I don't know which experts they're going to be consulting. They had a panel of uh, of people at this uh, this Toronto town hall um, that weren't experts. Uh, they weren't people who uh, who really know the law very well and know the stats very well because they're just they're saying inconsistent things or things that can't be backed up with data. Uh, so this looks like like I think we mentioned this in weeks past. That this is a uh, um, a charade. Because it put, trying to push this through by the uh, end of twenty nineteen, Gerard, 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 yeah. <laughs> now, I just I want to get this out there. You know, talk about uh, talking to police, assuming that police are, are experts in firearms. You know, to no fault of his own, he's not a gunny, and he doesn't know this because he's a police officer, or he doesn't not know it because he's a police officer. But a police officer was at the range today loading my. Uh, pistol mags, and he asked me how many rounds they held. Right. So, a lot of times they don't know. No, you're absolutely right. Just because they're a police officer, for them. just because they're a police officer, doesn't mean they know the Firearms Act. Mm-hmm. I had a friend uh, of mine that works with corrections. We went to the range together, and she was putting the bullets in backwards. I'm just saying. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so they yeah. don't. A lot of times, don't handle it. It's the armor who will, the armor who will actually prep the magazines for them or yeah. load the magazines. So the people, the people who the government entrusts to carry firearms know less about them than the people who aren't allowed to carry them. Previously, they were required to have their pal or their pal. They are now though. Mm-hmm. Not saying. the RCMPD. If you want to be considered in the hiring process now, you do have to actually have your pal. 
Oh, getting. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Same, same with CBSA, same with corrections or any of the other government I knew agencies. The other two, but for yeah. a long time, it wasn't a requirement of the RCMP. That's interesting. It is now. It wasn't before. Yeah. I mean, there's there like how often do most police use guns? Like not very often. So it's it's yeah. primarily they're pulling people over on on the road for doing something or dealing with uh, uh, drunks or or people on drugs or people with mental health issues. Yes. And. Uh, like the like in terms of skill usage, the uh, talking to people, investigating, understanding people is way more important than knowing guns and knowing how this stuff works, or knowing how the Traffic Safety Act works. Right? I think we were talking. You were talking to uh, an officer. Oh, I don't know a couple of years ago, and they're saying the same thing. There's umpteen regulations in the Traffic Safety Act. How do you know whether these tires are legal or this weight on this truck is legal? Some of the stuff you got to call in because the law is too complex to uh, to handle. And and our Firearms Act is uh, is, is complex as well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's more complex than it needs to be. It doesn't need to be. Yeah, it doesn't need to be as bad as it is, um, but it's bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not going to get better. Not without. No. Not within the current government. No, it's going to get worse. Yeah. Right. Well, C seventy one. I didn't put this in the news, but C seventy one just passed. That. Uh, just passed recently here as well, and right. the liberals whipped their vote on that. So, where <laughs> was those, Max? Uh, yeah, Max. Uh, Max didn't show up to that. For personal Max. Reasons. Max takes his ball and goes home because he can't win the nomination to be the leader of the Conservative Party. So I'm going to go start my own party. You guys don't want me? Fine. Screw you. We'll start my own party. And he puts out this wonderful firearms platform, which is basically a book from the page of the CCFR. Or, well, you uh, see, he said he said it was it, like that was actually pulled from the Conservative Party. There was a meeting in Vancouver where they had this simplified uh, firearms uh, classification, which is is a, actually a really smart piece of legislation. It yep. simplifies it greatly. We're talking about RCMP oh, trying to uh, put this stuff out. Uh, that would help quite a bit. Yeah. And so he has a chance to gain firearms owners support by standing up and voting against it. And he was noticeably absent. So why make up your mind, Max, are you a firearm owner friend or not? Not impressed. Yeah. Yeah. I I felt the same thing seeing him like largely his, his vote wasn't going to sway things. The the liberals had enough to, to rock that thing out. Symbolic. I'm I I can't wait for this thing to get, I hope it gets into place well before the next federal election because any of those rural people who now to have to call in yeah uh, uh and and call in for permission to sell their shotgun they're going to be pissed and Not they're going like to. the but liberals then, are going yeah. to lose um uh some of their writings because of it. Yeah. Well, they're not going to cuz it didn't last time and there's going to be even less compliance this time. So it still has to go before the Senate. Right. But, but that's it. Yeah. It passed through Congress. Or not Congress. You know, a new parliament. Canada you Congress. You email the Senate and they are your senator and they don't email you back. Right. Excellent. Now that Wonderful we're all happy system. and yeah. Let's talk new gun stuff. The Glock G forty five. Have you guys reviewed this yet? Had a look at it? I couldn't figure really figure out um, how it was different. So it's the uh, they took a bunch of the stuff from the uh, the Glock Gen fives and the nineteen X, and they it's mashed compact. it all up into. <laughs> it's into just a compact. Gun. Yep. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it's just compact slide in the full uh, grip. 
That's well, it. That's what the that's what the what nineteen X was. Yeah, it so, does. It says basically. I don't know. It says it's. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that it's another version. Glock Glock's got a big problem right and now it, putting out some of these different versions. And Keep it's available out, on Flat Dark Earth. That's all I know. Yeah, and okay. black, and yeah. black. Mm-hmm. Well, this was really useful information to the listeners. It's out. What the hell is it? <laughs> it's know. out. There's I got my glove. Yeah, we, okay. I Say it's that. out again and see if that helps us know what it is. <laughs> it's out. <sighs> the CZP10C Striker Fire Pistol is here. Guess what? It's here. It and what is it? It's a pistol. And guess what? It's out. <laughs> You're amazing at this. You should do a podcast. Hey, you Wait. know what? So yeah. this gun... Is the compact one, unfortunately. So it's like the equivalent of the Glock 19, which is not what I was hoping was going to come to Canada. So it's like a Glock 19 with a threaded barrel. So mm-hmm. it's not a full size; it's a compact. It's not. It's not the CZ Striker Fire gun I was hoping for. It's got a threaded barrel, and it's got the most ridiculous four-story high suppressor sights you've ever seen. So I don't want it. I don't want this version. That's for sure. For those for those people Some that have people been, like. yeah, for those people that have been dying for the CZ P10 C yeah. or the CZ P10, it's here, but it's the C. It's the compact version. So, yeah, breaks my heart. Maybe you don't not want for you, it. but uh, somebody might someone want else, it. Someone else wants it. Yeah, I would never think that the 19X would be popular in Canada here. Because the 19- why? The 19X. Yeah, it's got a yeah. short slide and regular size grip. Uh, who cares? Like we, we use our guns. We we don't we're not carrying our guns here in Canada. We're uh, uh, taking them to the range and back. So why wouldn't you just go for a seven, uh, a Glock seventeen? Oh, if you I mean, and even if you were carrying, why wouldn't you carry the long slide, short grip? It's the grip you need to conceal. Yeah. So I'm on Glock's website, and they don't even have this Glock forty five listed. So you guys are both high that, or something. That new. Yeah, it's so new, not even Glock knows about it. Well, that wouldn't be the first time. I mean, like, we were talking about the Tika 1X, and it wasn't on their website either. Sometimes they're just, like, slow on that stuff. Mm. You heard like, it on Slamfire before you heard it from Glock. And uh, you didn't hear much. Because <laughs> yeah. we don't know. Like, I, re- I I reread this article a couple times. Yep. And I, I, I still don't really know how it differs from the 17, from the uh, 19X. So, oh, but it's new. Yep. Doesn't really say much, does it? No. Just a press release. So is it the same frame and slide as the 19X in a different caliber, perhaps? It's, it's just in 9 by 19 f- though. It's still 9x19. think it would 19. be 45. I got a Glock 45. Okay. Uh, does it take 45 ACP? No, it's in 9mm. That's not hell? how Glock works, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... Glock don't work like that. Okay. Uh, I can take the next one. Sure. Uh, so th- I-, I saw this on Instagram, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, True North Arms is uh, working on a bunch of WK-180 stuff. Uh, so when are these prototype barrels that you're uh, that you're showing us going to be out? I'm like, no, they're out. So they, they actually commissioned... Um, uh, Maple, Maple Reef. Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, Maple, Ridge Maple Ridge Armory yep. to make them uh, a bunch of barrels that would be specked out for the WK180C. So they've got mm-hmm. the carbine length uh, gas system, uh, a little bit larger to 
pump that piston back and uh it just fits and it's uh 5r rifling and it's got a a, a really polished chamber so really cool uh, uh upgrade barrel for the uh 180 now i don't think i'm gonna do it on mine because mine's pretty good already but uh if you, if your barrel uh, isn't getting the accuracy you want out of uh, out of the ammo you've got, then this would be an option to right. uh, pimp out your rifle, right? Yep. So the price on it is pretty decent as well. Three hundred ninety nine bucks. Yep. yep. Okay. It's about was, right for like was, a match grade uh, a barrel. It's fluted. It's got you know some some interesting features there. So mm-hmm. very interesting. They also and I think I was uh, I was sending this to you guys on Voxer there. Uh, they've got um, uh, reverse thread suppressors. So it, rather than going on the end of the barrel, it goes on the barrel like a um, so that it makes the barrel look a lot shorter and it makes it look like it's got a suppressor on there. But it's just a, a sleeve, basically, it's, right? Yeah. It, yeah. So really cool if you want your uh, if you want to like make your rifle look good. All right, that's everything new gun stuff this week. So why don't we get into tonight's main topic? Joining us this week uh, for our main topic is Jim Smith. Jim Smith is the president of the National Range Officer Institute of Canada, which is the association responsible for training uh, and coordinating the range officers for the sport of IPSC within Canada. Jim, welcome to Slamfire. Welcome. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, So, Jim, I'd like to talk about rules. There's uh, been some... Uh, new proposed rules at the last um, meeting in Thailand, the General Assembly, I believe it's called? Yes, that's correct. And uh, typically rules are done uh, every four years at the world shoot. And uh, we had a change of regime. And uh, when Vitaly was elected, uh, the uh, Nick uh, chose not to do the rules that were proposed in France two years ago and kind of left us out hanging. And uh, so... At, uh, there, there is a general assembly every year, but usually only rule changes are dealt with at the World Shoot General Assembly. Uh, there was a lot of rules pending, so in this instance, they decided uh, they would do them at the Pan-Asian Games in Thailand. Okay, so this is a little outside of the way things are normally done when it comes to updating our rule book. Is that correct? That's correct. And the reason they standardize it to world shoots because they usually have a better turnout of all the regional directors. And uh, our regional director, Sean Hansen, chose not to go to Thailand because it's, uh, it's a long ways to go just for a meeting and uh, didn't want to spend the funds. And, and typically, and it didn't came, come out till very late in the process that they were going to do rules. So they had to actually move a special amendment uh, in order to, uh, to deal with rules at this uh, General Assembly in Thailand. Okay. Well, that makes sense. It is a heck of a long way to go just for a meeting to deal with rules. Um, I'm sure there are ways to have your voice heard at that meeting without attending. Um, yeah, so there's there is, a- there, is, uh, there is a proxy process, and uh, Sean worked hard with some of the other uh, regional directors, and uh, I believe uh, that uh, Australia carried our uh, our vote. Okay. And so when is the... Um, when is the next Worlds? The next Worlds uh, are in two years in Thailand. So this okay. is a, kind of a practice match in Thailand to check out the facilities. Okay. So in two years, will we will we be going down this road again of, of more proposed rules, or are we good for a while now? 
I would think that uh, they'll get it back on schedule just because they have the better turnout of range or uh, RDs at uh, the World Shoot, and uh, it'll allow them to, uh, you know, maybe there'll only be a few tweaks, and I wouldn't doubt some of the proposed rules are only uh, probationary and they may get repealed. Okay. So that's something else I want, to, I want to talk about, too. These rules that are proposed at the General Assembly, it's my understanding that once they're tabled, amendments can be made on site? That's correct. As any, uh, uh, I believe they use Robert's Rules of Order, so any uh, meeting run by those rules uh, from the floor, you can make an amendment to a motion to uh, change part of the uh, motion, and therefore, in this instance, some of the rules uh, were changed. Uh, I, I believe that we we have not officially received the minutes from that meeting. We're just going by uh, some of the posts that were put up by some of the RDs. I believe the Norwegian RD did a really good job of uh, of sending out uh, the votes as they were done. And uh, so there has been amendments to at least one rule set that they proposed. Uh, I know what it deals with, but I really don't know the wording. Okay, and what does it deal with? Uh, it's one of the rules that we opposed. Uh, I think it's uh, rule. Oh, yes. The, proposed rule the shooter being, the proposed, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, a proposed rule 865, and it dealt with the uh, with a shooter getting downrange, or the, the shooter the getting uprange of an RO. And yeah. uh, originally it was proposed that uh, the shooter would uh, immediately lower his gun and stop himself. But at the last minute, uh, somebody uh, interjected that if the RO felt that uh, it, it was dangerous, he could actually DQ him for unsportsmanlike. Right. And, so, okay. Uh, so I, my understanding was that if the proposal was, because this, this happened, I believe, in Florida, um, the, range, the range officer got in front of the shooter through error on their part, right? They, they got themselves yes. trapped. And... Um, there was uh, the person was DQ'd, then let back in, then DQ'd again, and so this resulted in a proposed rule change. And it's my understanding that the proposal was that if an arrow gets in front of the shooter, the shooter sweeps the arrow, the shooter's disqualified automatically, no ifs, ands, or buts. That's how it was proposed, and the amendment was that no, provided that the shooter gets his gun pointed at the ground with the finger of the trigger guard the second he's aware that the arrow was in front of him. So we don't really know what the amendment was. Uh, that was uh, we didn't have a problem with the uh, shooter uh, stopping himself and lowering his gun. We just uh, we really felt that it was the RO's uh, duty to stay out of the way of the shooter, and the shooter shouldn't be penalized for his uh, inability to do so. Yeah. Okay. All right. So a couple of a couple of other ones that I see floating around in the in the post on on the internet. Um, there was a question of junior age. So can you clarify for the listeners right now, when are you a junior in IPSC and when are you no longer a junior? You might get me on that one, Trevor. I know the new age, I think the old age was 19, and uh, 19 of the first of the year, I believe, and right. I may be wrong on that, uh, but uh, the new age was proposed uh, and put forward uh and I did uh, track those, and uh, that motion failed. So I do not okay. believe that the uh, the age changed regardless, so it remained the same. Okay. See, so my understanding was that it was 18. So if you were 18, you were a junior. When you turned 19, you were you were an adult. 
Um, but I'm, I saw that it was 21. I think the proposal was to up it to 21, but I guess we'll wait and see the how that one The proposal was for 21 for sure. And, okay, uh, but may not have gone through. I believe it did not go through. Okay. I think 21 is a little, a little old. I think 18, 19 is pretty much in line with other sports. Um, so PCC, we saw this pop up in USPSA and, um, much to my initial chagrin, it gained quite a bit of popularity. And now we're seeing that it's, per- there's a proposal put forward for PCC to be used in standalone IPSC matches or in conjunction with pistol matches. What can you tell us about that? Uh, I do believe, uh, so originally the, uh, the rules were going to be a subset, uh, of rifle. And, uh, I believe that had to do with some, uh, European gun laws, but, uh, and as uh, when I say we didn't disagree, that's not me making this decision arbitrarily. All the second coordinators, coordinators in Canada uh, had a chance, and uh, the, the regional director put the questions out and did a poll to see how people wanted to uh, vote on individual topics. So I just wanted to clarify that none of these uh, were arbitrarily made, or decisions were made by me. They were made by all the section coordinators through the RD. Right. And uh, the... Uh, so originally, uh, PCC was going to be part of Rifle, and uh, we were against that, and uh, we thought it should be a standalone rule set. And in the end, uh, it was amended, and that's the way it came out. So it's a standalone rule set that can be used in rifle matches or pistol matches. Okay, so if I'm shooting PCC in a rifle match, I'm in my own division. I'm not expected to compete against the actual AR-15-style rifles. That would be correct, and, okay. and I would uh, I would say it would be fairly uncompetitive in a true uh, IPSC rifle match with uh, rounds out to three or four hundred yards. I I would agree. Now, is this a done deal? Is PCC here to stay, or is it like prov- provisional status kind of thing, like production optics was the first year? Uh, until we actually see the uh, the minutes. Uh, the minutes we won't know, but I believe it uh, it is moved as a division and. Uh, and, and, you know, like you, I originally, you know, wasn't really in support. Having gone to, uh, I was uh, shot, I think, five uh, USPSA matches this year and uh, never shot with anybody until the last one that actually uh, was participating in the PCC. And uh, after I watched the guys and uh, and seen how much they are enjoying it, it's, it's, it's kind of like uh, open plus. And uh, it's great for older guys. It, it seems to attract the, you know, you, you don't need as much gear. You just bring a rifle and a uh, chamber flag. And uh, in the state, they have one mag and no, no holster, no gear. They just unbox it and uh, go to the line, shoot the stage, box it back up, and away they go. That's interesting. Um, one of the things that I actually think is um, attractive to this in Canada, once these sorts of things um, like when our black badge program catches up to like shotgun and PCC, you could now have someone compete in IPSC matches that doesn't need to have a special restricted firearms license. And there are a lot of gun owners out there that don't want to jump through that extra hoop, but would love to be involved in IPSC. Well, there are a lot of non-restricted PCCs on the market. So now they could take training with, with a PCC and come out and shoot IPSC matches without having to get a special license. I think that if we sell that the right way, we may grow the sport even more by attracting a different, a different firearms owner. And 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 you're absolutely right. And uh, it 
the USPSA motto has been anything that brings a few more shooters in. So they were the first down this uh, path, but, uh, you know, we're going to talk probably about uh, production optics in a couple minutes. And, and that's another one that we didn't support. And uh, so the original uh, motion had been for to split production optics into a light and a heavy division. We uh, we did not support that. We didn't see a need for it. And in conjunction with that, in production optics and production, the uh, there was an amendment made to the uh, trigger weight for consistent fire. So basically, striker fire guns, any gun that consistently has one trigger pull, not a double single, is allowed to have a three-pound trigger pull minimum instead of five. And uh, it also opened it up for aftermarket trigger parts. So... That move alone, in my opinion, would have achieved the result of uh, making striker-fired polymer guns more attractive to the sport. And uh, they went production light, and that was a push from some European countries. That And it, it's not the first time they've tried it. And uh, anyway, it's gone through. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's up to the match directors whether they're going to recognize every uh, division or not. But we are starting to get pretty thin especially on a national level if we're uh, going to send teams to a world shoot or or a province sending uh, teams to a uh, national. Yeah. Okay, well the trigger the trigger pull thing you covered it. I think it's very clear. Um one question about that and then I want to explore uh production optics light a little bit. So this new 3 pound um trigger pull for polymer striker fired guns I am allowed to go from five pounds with OEM parts now to a three-pound pull with aftermarket parts. Has this changed the regular production guns like the Shadows, the Berettas, the Sigs, the CZs, uh, the Tanfos? Can I put aftermarket parts in those guns as well, even if I maintain the five-pound double-action pull? Uh, I'd have to see the actual amendments, but um, my interpretation would be yes, you could have once they open it up, that uh, aftermarket trigger parts would be available for all. Uh, for if all. you're firing a double single and uh, with a five-pound first pull, the uh, I believe that uh, you will still be able to put aftermarket triggers in as long as you don't uh, drop below that five-pound minimal. Okay. So it, like it'll it'll make the polymer striker-fired pistols more competitive, but. The guys with the Shadow 2s are still going to go with a, a lighter single stage, uh, and then just as long as they keep their double above five, they're good to go, right? Correct. The same as it is today. Okay. Yeah. And um, so back to production optics light. So production optics, and um, well, and we said PCC. For the listeners who don't know what PCC is, that's pistol caliber carbine. So that's a rifle that shoots handgun ammunition. So that's going to be a thing in Ipsic now. So just uh, we're throwing a lot of terms around that some of the listeners who aren't in IPSC may may not be familiar with, and we don't want to exclude them. Um, production production optics and production optics light. So production optics is a production gun in IPSC, like a Shadow or a Tanfo or a Glock, that has a red dot optic on it. And in the United States, they call it carry optics. So we just saw our first season in IPSC with production optics, and now we're looking at a second production optics division called Production Optics Light. And that's a separate division for production guns that have an optic that are polymer. Is that correct? That's correct. Well, uh, I, I, it's not specified it has to be polymer. There's a minimum weight requirement. And oh. I don't think a, a steel gun wouldn't be able to achieve it. 
you know, I'm not saying that if somebody built a aluminum frame gun or slide or combination thereof, it might be able to make it. And you know, okay. and uh, once, so, once the manufacturer is on, you know, it, it's it's strictly a weight-driven uh, uh, division. So there's if you're above a certain weight, you're heavy. If you're lighter, then you're light. Great. So it's not material; it's weight. Okay. Um, yep. Do you understand the rationale behind this and where it comes from? I believe there's been a push uh, for certain uh, individuals in different countries to make the striker-fired polymer guns more competitive, and uh, they haven't been happy with the way that uh, it unfolded and the metal CZs and Tangpos taking over the, uh, you know, unless they're in the hands of the top uh, shooters in the world, uh, most people shoot a, a steel Double single better than they do a polymer gun. The uh, so in order there was a push to make production optic only striker fired polymer guns, and I think somewhere along the line someone figured this would be a compromise to keep uh, both sides happy, and uh, and uh, I truly believe that uh, it'll end up shaking itself out, and we probably uh, will not. You know, and I might be proven wrong, but in my opinion, light is not going to. Uh, take over the market of the other guns. Right. And you alluded to the fact that uh, match directors have the ability to pick and choose what divisions they recognize at matches. That's correct, isn't it? That is correct. So, I mean, uh, you know, if, if, you know, if there's 20 production optic shooters show up and there's only two light and that, you know, we're not, uh, as a match director personally, I wouldn't be giving out any, any trophies for uh, production light. And I might be totally proven wrong. Maybe it'll take off, and in, in two years we'll see that uh, we've uh, introduced a whole bunch of new people to the sport, and they're all shooting production optic lights. Yeah. Um, right now, when it comes to SummerSlam, as soon as I find out that I can offer PCC as a division, I will. I'll make it available in practice score, and then people can start jumping around and switching if they like. But production optics light, I think it's going to dilute production optics. Um, I don't see it right now in Canada as that much of a competitive division that we need to separate the plastic from the metal. So I won't be offering that one until I see some huge outcry of demand for it. And as I said earlier, lowering the uh, the consistent, uh, I'm not sure of the exact term, but uh, basically if, if, the, if the trigger pull stays consistent, you're allowed to go down to a three-pound pull. And uh, I think that amendment alone would have uh, done it uh, for the striker-fired guns and, and made them a little more popular in both production and production office. Yep. Very good. Okay. Well, that covers a lot of uh, what's new and, and coming. Um, is there anything I missed that uh, we should know about, Jim? Uh, just earlier you mentioned about the process on rules. So the uh, so the, the way that this works from the top down is the uh, – is the General Assembly through the uh, representatives of the uh, RGs, the regional directors, vote on the rules, and then the rules are uh, passed on and put in a rule book, and, and then there's a rules committee that actually interprets the rules and, and does rulings. Uh, so typically, as head of NROI Canada, uh, if I make a fair amount of rulings based on experience and previous rulings, uh, if there's something that I'm doubtful about, I, I just uh, I pass that on to the International Rules Committee, uh, and uh, they'll give me a ruling, and then I'll pass that back down to the membership just to uh, make sure that from the top to the bottom in the sport, we're still all uh, following the same rules, interpreting the rules the same. Hmm. 
Very good. And I think one of the things that um, a lot of people don't realize because they may not be involved in in um, the administration of IPSC Canada's programs like the NROI or Black Badge is when these rules come out, it affects it affects us because now we need to up, update all of our other materials. The course material for the Level 1, the Level 2 RO seminars need to be updated to reflect the changes in the new rulebook. Black Badge needs to be updated every few years to reflect the changes. For example, when I took my Black Badge, Modified was a thing. There was a mo- picture of a yeah. modified book or a modified gun in the in the manual. So a lot of new shooters who have taken their black badge in the last five years wouldn't know what a modified gun was, or what um, Virginia count was. These are things that existed when I started. I don't even want to talk about what existed when you started because that was a fair bit before my time. So uh, one division, everybody shot against each other. There you go. So. So when all these changes come out, it's not just a question of getting new rule books out to the ROs. Um, we've got other work to do for updating our other materials. There's RO classes going on all the time, and there's going to be a period of transition where the instructors have to get accustomed and acquainted with the new material. And if you're an RO who hasn't been inside a classroom in 20 years, you might want to consider going back for a refresher before you're mandated to go back. Well, we're certainly going to have to put out some kind of a a refresher course for arrows on uh, PCC because it's not out of the holster, different start positions. Uh, There's things like weak hand, strong hand, weak shoulder. There's all these different rules that uh, we we need to uh, have our arrows understand before the shooters get there. So uh, we have a very short window here that we have to uh, develop that material. Yeah, you can tell the ones who went through the new course that includes the shotgun and rifle book and the ones who didn't when you see them in a three-gun match. or Yeah, in a three-gun match. I've, I've heard people yeah. tell someone with a rifle to slide down or slide forward, hammer down uh, with a rifle. <laughs> They're programmed with one set of commands, and that's it. And we don't even say slide forward anymore. So anyway, all right, well, I'm digressing too much. We'll let you get going, Jim. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. This was uh, really good. I enjoyed it, and I'm sure that the listeners who have a, a, a tendency to be in, more involved than just shooting and have an interest in the rules and wanting to know where the things in our sport come from, it was very interesting and, and informative for them as well. So with that said, we will leave you go, and hopefully we can do this again sometime. All right. Well, that would be great, and uh, thanks for having me, and uh, have a good night. All right. Thanks. We'll see you tomorrow night. Thanks, Right. Just wanted to say thank you very much again to Jim Smith come on and, for coming on and talking about IPSC and the new rules. Uh, why don't we get into listener feedback, YouTube version. Have you guys been paying attention on there? I turned it off because of the feedback. Uh, let's see. Uh, one guy saying, I thought you couldn't own guns in, Can- in Quebec. That's <laughs> Mike from the Reloading Podcast. Uh, Luke was asking if we uh, got his email about the guest speakers at the Moncton Fishing Game Association. I believe that's coming up next. Yep. Uh, Reloading Podcast is saying more redundancy from Glock. Yep. (laughs) And uh, I think that is just about Just about it. All right. Let's get on to real listener feedback. Well, not real listener feedback, but these are people that have sent in emails. Listener feedback is sponsored by Highlander Tactical. Go to highlandertactical.com to check out the great supply of both outside and inside the waistband holsters today. Use your promo code of SLAMFIRE and check out. uh, out, And when you check out, you get 10% off your order. So... 
Luke G did send in an email. Trevor, you want to read it? No, I'm looking at something else right now. Okay, so why don't I read it then? Just making request as to whether or not you can make an announcement on Slamfire Radio regarding guest speakers for the CCFR at the Moncton Fishing Game Association monthly meeting on October 1st at 7pm. It's held at the Rotary Club in Centennial Park at the following address, 125 Rotary Lodge Lane, Moncton, New Brunswick. All members and non-members of the Moncton Fishing Game Club are welcome to attend the event and learn more about the organization. We will be there too uh, to inform members and the public about the great things we do to help firearm owners across the country. And he's talking about the CCFR. He goes on to say, thank you for all the great show. Or thank you all for the great show uh, that you guys produce. I really enjoy it and learned a lot. Not just that Trevor sucks, LOL. And that's from Luke. So thanks, Luke. All right. And that's everything for listener feedback. If you'd like to email the show, you can send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com iTunes reviews. I don't think that we have any iTunes reviews. So if you would like to send us an iTunes review or podcast or bean, whatever, review and we'll read it here on air. What about shout outs, Trevor? Yeah, um, I have a shout out to the gentleman who sold me that CZSPO1 Not Shadow, Rob Burke. Thank you for listening and thanks for uh, cutting me a deal on that gun. I really appreciate it. Awesome. And Adriel, do you have anything? Nope. All right. I do have a shout out. It's going out to the CCF ladies who all attended the uh, Napanee Ladies Day shoot because without you guys, uh, it wouldn't have been a successful event. But I also wanted to say thank you to the CCFR men as well that came out. That's both Matthew and Colin. So I just wanted to say thank you guys. Patreonies, we don't have any new ones, but if you'd like to actually give us a hand with putting out some content, uh, go to our website and up in the right-hand corner, you can um, click on Patreon, or you can actually go to Patreon and backslash Slamfire Radio and uh, give us a hand there. What you're doing is you're helping us put out content every week. Uh, for anybody who does become a patron supporter, what you get in the mail is you get stickers, swag, different things like that as well. Don't forget to send us an email with your address and Adriel will send you all of that swag. Adriel, have you sent anything out recently? Yeah, I sent a t-shirt last week and I just got an email from someone this week for another t-shirt. So, yeah. Excellent. That's awesome. Okay. Why don't we sign off? So... Please join one of our National Firearms Associations, such as the CCFR, because we do things like the Ladies' Day, and we go to these town hall events and everything like that. Go and support the CCFR, because without them, we might be losing our guns. Also, check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. We have a thread there, and we would love to talk to you there. Like us on Facebook, we're at 1980. That is a great year. I was in Germany that year. It was awesome. And that's about it. I was four. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I was. I'm just, okay. I was four in 1980. You were four in 1980. I wasn't much older, but not was, even live. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I was in Germany. It was the best years of my life. All right, Trevor. Do you want to tell us about that clicky, clicky, clicky? What you're doing? Nope. Oh, you don't really. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because right. unfortunately, yeah, I didn't get to use it. Why not? Because the opportunity didn't present itself. There you go. All right. Words of wisdom for anybody that's listening. Trevor. Yeah, show's over. Okay. All right. Good night, everybody. 
good night and stuff and things. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun. That's that popcorn music, you know, at the movie theater that you'd hear. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Shall we redo Let's it? All go to the lobby and get ourselves a snack. It's a treat. Get ourselves a treat. I'm not old enough to have actually listened to this thing live, like whatever this music is. I'm just, yeah, so. <laughs> so I'm drilled into my psyche from being a child at the drive-in theater. One of my students tried to stump me on the line from Star Wars. No, I am your father. Thinking that I would screw it up and say what everybody says. Luke, I am your father, which is not the line. I'm like, please, have you met me? Come on. <laughs> it's great. My students think I'm the biggest nerd ever. All right. Well, you are. So let's just exactly, right? agree. All right. Own it. All right. Well, we... Speaking of owning it. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. You done? <laughs> What we did in Guns This Week is brought to you... Now, yes, you can go ahead and do the line.